The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph, from Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth, Philip said to him. Come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said of him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, Where did you get to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered, Do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Blessed be the reading of the word of the Lord. So this story comes to us early in John after Jesus' baptism. Uh, John tells us that Jesus decides to go to Galilee. It seems like a like a whim, you know, like, hey, let's go to Park City today. He, uh, Jesus decides to go to Galilee. But actually there's very significant uh, reasons to go to Galilee. Galilee is, is, a, is a huge crossroads uh, where a lot of different people show up. And because of that, it was also a hotbed for um, uh, kind of subversive uh, activities, right? Rome kind of stayed out of it because it was, because they, quite frankly, they gave Caesar a lot of money through trade and tribute. And so they didn't want to mess with a good, it's not broke, don't fix it, right? But every once in a while, a rebellion would pop up out of Galilee and Rome would have to come in and squash it. But uh, for the most part, they were kind of left on their own, and there was it was a it was quite a cosmopolitan space uh, there around the the Sea of Galilee. And so Jesus decides to go there, and, and in fact, Matthew tells us that the reason Jesus went there was because John the Baptist got arrested, and that made everyone nervous, and so they ran to Galilee to get away from Jerusalem, where they were afraid of getting arrested. John doesn't get into all that, but uh, uh, at any rate, Jesus decides to go to Galilee. He just throws that out there. And immediately runs into Philip. Philip is a Greek name, which means he was probably converted to Judaism from, uh, uh, from a Greek, uh, Greek-speaking family, a Roman family, or some other, some other group. Uh, and uh, Jesus came to Philip and said, come follow me, and he did. Not only that, but he went to go get his buddy Nathaniel, uh, also a Greek name. <laughs> uh, he goes and gets Nathaniel, and he says, hey, we found the Messiah. You need to come and check it out. And he was in Nazareth the whole time. I've been looking for Jesus. He was in Nazareth the whole time. <laughs> and uh, Nathaniel says, ugh. Nazareth. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Uh, a little prejudice there, I think. You know, can anything good come from Nazareth? The guy's, the guy's got a little bit of bigotry going on about folks from from the you know from Nazareth there. 
Nazareth, it isn't, it's not surprising he says stuff like that, though, because Nazareth was kind of a bedroom community to Sepphoris. Sepphoris was the capital of the Tetrarch under Herod Antipas, after Herod the Great died, they divided up Palestine into three areas, into a Tetrarchy, and uh, one of those was... Uh, Nazareth was a part of, and Herod uh, Antipas was the or was the um, tetrarch over the over that particular space. And it, at that time, the capital of that tetrarchy was a place called Sepphoris. And if you were standing in Nazareth, you would go to the uh, west, and you would climb a hill. And when you got to the top of that hill, you could look out over a valley where the big city of Sepphoris stood. However, when Jesus was a child, if he had gone up that hill and stood on the top of that hill, what he would see is a blank space that used to be Sepphoris. Because in 6 BCE, before Jesus was born, six uh, years, if you go by that calendar, uh, there was indeed a rebellion that started in Sepphoris. And so the Roman legions came in and completely razed the city and wiped it out. And the, now I want you to imagine for a moment that you lived in Roy, Utah. Anyone know where Roy is? I, I know folks in Salt Lake don't ever get up that way. But, <laughs> but that's where I grew up. Or Clearfield, right? Where I grew up. Imagine if Hill Air Force Base got wiped off the face of the map. Imagine what the economy would do. And maybe you don't know this, but Hill Air Force Base is the largest single employer in the state of Utah. It would wipe out our economy. Not only would Clearfield be impoverished and desperate, but the entire state would be feeling the, the pinch if all of a sudden that city, that little group was gone. Uh, to, to see what that would be like, I suppose you would go to like Flint, Michigan or somewhere and, and see what happens when a whole industry collapses. You know, Living on the outskirts of Flint would be like living in Nazareth. And if you go there now, you'd be like, man, what happened here? Right? And it was kind of like that in Nazareth. So I, I don't know that we can be so hard on Nathaniel. I think he would wonder, really, what could possibly come out of Nazareth? And he might even use a very bad word to describe it, like some of our other leaders do. Just shooting in the dark here. But... <laughs> uh, but, but Nathaniel, you know, goes along with Philip. Maybe Philip was the older brother. And <laughs> goes along uh, and goes and meets Jesus. And Jesus immediately says, wow, look at this guy. Uh, here, is a, here is an Israelite in which there is no guile. Uh, in which there is no... Uh, he is a good man. Here is a good man. Uh, who doesn't have any deceit in him. No... Uh, some of, some of our books translate guy. And uh, Nathaniel's like, hey, how do you, did we meet somewhere? <laughs> do we know each other? And Jesus says, no, I, I know you. I saw you sitting under the fig tree. Now, I don't know 
what that said to Nathaniel. We're, we're not in on that particular thing. Why the fig tree? What, what was he doing under that fig tree? What was he thinking about under the fig tree? But something about Jesus seeing him under the fig tree sparked something in Nathaniel that made him go, What? <laughs> really? You saw that, huh? You, you, uh, it's like they're going, uh-huh, I know, what I, I know what you're talking about. I know what you're saying. And that, that was all Nathaniel needed. It was all that prejudice about being from Nazareth went away. And, and Jesus was even surprised at that. Really? You're, you're impressed with that? Well, you're going to see even, even more than that. You will see angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Now this is, John is kind of a, John is full of symbolism, full of these kind of double meanings in everything. And so this, this reference that Jesus makes to angels ascending and descending comes to us from Genesis. And it's when Jacob, the, the patriarch, was out wandering around and he, he goes to sleep on a rock, dumb, and, <laughs> and uh, has a dream where he sees in that space where he's at, he sees a, a staircase or a ladder or whatever, escalator, I don't know. But he sees angels ascending and descending on this ramp or this ladder or whatever. This is Jacob's ladder, right, that we're talking about. And uh, it is a space, it's one of those what we call thin places where heaven and earth seem to meet. Where... the where the God of creation seems to interact and come close to the world we live in there. In, in the biz, we call that a theophany. Jacob had this theophany, this, experience, this close experience with God where uh, he could see that this was a sacred place. This was a place where, where, where there was a thin veil between where God was and where humanity was. And so when he awoke, he named the place Bethel, and he built a shrine. And there's another reference here in this passage in John to Jacob, in that uh, Jacob, when he wrestles with God in the night, and I won't get into that whole story, but after the night of wrestling with God and, and having that encounter, uh, God renames Jacob Israel. And so when Jesus says, here is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit or guile, it's as if Nathaniel is, is kind of the new Jacob. Although he's a better Jacob, because I can tell you this, if you go back and read the story, Jacob had a lot of guile. That, that brother had a lot of guile and a lot of ambition, and he was full of deceit. <laughs> and yet the Lord used him nonetheless. But in Nathaniel, there is no deceit. There is no guile. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. Uh, and Jesus could see that. And it's as if Jesus is saying, you are, you're the Jacob of today. You're my new Jacob. And one of the things that John is trying to convey through this story about uh, Nathaniel seeing angels ascending and descending, not in Bethel, where there is a shrine, not in Jerusalem, where there is a temple, but on the Son of Man, on Jesus Christ. And it is as if, it's as if John is saying, we used to go places 
to become to, to find those thin spaces between where where God and humanity uh, where the veil between the two seems so thin. But what John seems to be telling you and me is that that space for you and for me is in the person Jesus Christ. Amen? It's in that person Jesus. That's who we look to. That's where the veil gets thin and we can get a glimpse of who God is for this world and who God is for you and me. If we want to know the character of God, if we want to know the nature of God, if we want to know what God is about and what God hopes for, we need to look to Jesus Christ. Amen? You don't have to wait for me to ask. You can just say amen anytime you want. We just got to look to Jesus. And in Christ we see a glimpse. We look past that thin veil into the face of God. And we have that, that amazing interaction, similar to Jacob's, where we can wrestle with God a little bit and go, what do you want from me? And God will say, well, come over here and I'll tell you. <laughs> when we can have that kind of intimate, one-on-one, deep and abiding, love-born, never-ending, unconditional relationship with the Creator of the universe who loves us so much, Loves us so much. And is eager to show us who God is. To reveal God's self to us in a tangible way. And to show you and me through the life and the teachings of Jesus Christ what kind of world and what kind of life God had in store for you and for me and for all of humanity. John's a complicated book and it gets a little tricky sometimes to to weed through the symbolism. But at the heart of it, what John wants to say is if you want to know God, get to know Jesus. And you will know all that God wants or desires for you and from you. And you will know where God wants you to go. Come and follow me, Jesus says to Philip. And Philip says, come and see. And that invitation is to come and see who God is in your life and who God is in this world through the person of Christ. Let us pray. Loving God, as we contemplate this story of the calling of Nathaniel, and just we pray that we can look and see that you come to us from so many different places. And if we open up our eyes, we can see that you reach out to us through other people, through, through your teachings, through your word, and through the person Jesus Christ manifest through the Holy Spirit in each of us and in the Word and in the world. May we open our eyes to this and seek You out. We ask all this in the precious name of Christ. Amen.